Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Save Your Sanity Podcast. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are you living with the chaos, confusion, and uncertainty that a toxic person loves to create? Is a partner, parent, ex, sibling, child, or coworker causing you to second-guess yourself? That can be crazy-making. I'm here to help you save your sanity. So let's get down to it and figure some things out now. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to Save Your Sanity. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. I'm glad you're here. Tonight we're going to be talking about something so important and it's something you may not ever have learned about. And it's in it's something you felt if you've ever been in a hijackal family or you've um, married into one or you've been uh, associated with them in any way. And so the topic tonight is the scam, sham, and spam of pseudo-mutuality and how and why hijackals create a life of loyalty and it should say a lie of loyalty um, because that's exactly what they do. They create a lie of loyalty. So we just fix that up. And uh, <clears throat> this lie of loyalty, this, this, oh yes, we're always loyal to one another. Yes, we have each other's back. Yes, we're a unified front. All of that. So we're going to be talking about that tonight. So important. And if you haven't heard of pseudo-mutuality before, maybe we need to talk about what mutuality is so you can understand when it's fake, because that's basically what it is. So, so many episodes for you here. I'm glad if you're returning, you've heard something that helped you before. And I'm delighted if you're brand new and you found me. Uh, <clears throat> always feel free to come in. Always subscribe. If you're a YouTube person, go to the YouTube channel for Relationship Help, subscribe, and hit the notification button. You'll always know when there's a new live solo cast. And if you are on a Facebook page, just simply like the page and you'll hear when that's happening too. And if you are subscribing to the podcast, go to SaveYourSanityPodcast.com and just in the top right corner, hit the subscribe button. And if you find great value here, consider helping out. Love to have your donation, small monthly donation or one-time donation. Go to patreon.com slash save your sanity, patreon.com slash save your sanity. So pseudo mutuality, big word. So I thought that tonight I would talk to you about what mutuality really is, and I would give you examples from my book, Kaizen for Couples, K-A-I-Z-E-N for couples.com. You can find it on Amazon. You can go to kaizenforcouples.com, and it'll take you to Amazon, because mutuality is something that's not usually spoken about so much, and I've written about it quite a bit because it's so important. So I just wanted to open the podcast tonight with a little reading from Kaizen for Couples so you would understand what mutuality is and when it's genuine and authentic and in good working order. So mutuality is for emotional grown-ups. 
It's based on the interest in each other as whole, complex people living in the present. When dependence or codependence are consistently present in the relationship, mutuality cannot be. Mutuality, then, is a defining condition for a healthy, mature relationship. No scorecards, no tallies, no tit-for-tat, no barters. Mutuality eliminates those. It requires you to be present, no surprise there, (laughs) empathetic, self-aware, and otherwise. Mutuality calls you to give up the role-to-role relationship you may have unwittingly established and replace it with a soul-to-soul relationship. Soul, in this case that I was writing in the book, means your authentic self, your true self. No masks, no varnish, no pretending. This is what allows you to have that consistent emotional intimacy most humans long for. When there are imbalances in mutuality between partners in a primary relationship, they can lead to significant psychological pain. And this pain is elusive and hard to pin down or describe. It feels like a loss without a name. Something's missing, but what is it? Mutuality in your relationship can provide you with purpose and meaning. When mutuality is lacking, it causes you to doubt yourself frequently and can certainly adversely affect your self-esteem. It's all about having similar feelings for each other and having intimacy as part of that and, of course, equality, reciprocity, and then mutuality. So clearly in a mutual exchange, you're affecting your partner and being affected by your partner, and one of you extends out to the other, and you're also receptive to the impact your partner has on you. So you're influencing each other consciously or subconsciously, so there's a constant interchange responding to and affecting each other. So mutuality demands much more from you both. It requires an active interest in each other as different, complex, and fascinating individuals. And what is important in mutuality is that you magnify your attunement and responsiveness to each other. You talk more, become more vulnerable and transparent with each other. You feel safe to share what's going on within you with your partner, your thoughts, feelings, fears, and desires. Empathy fosters this, and you can continue to deepen that safety to become each other's safe sanctuary in the world. Now, that's from my book, Kaizen for Couples. And so that's what mutuality is all about, that having your person, having that person that you really know has your back, walks beside you, the person you want to go to, the person you want to work things out with, the person you want to talk things out with, the person you want to tell what happened to you, whether you're sad or joyful or achieving or depressed, that's your person. And mutuality is that they're your person and you're their person, and that's all there. But what happens if you have the scam and sham and spam of pseudo-mutuality. Well, that's a whole other thing. And that's why I really wanted to discuss that with you in this episode. Because the American Psychological Association says that pseudo-mutuality 
is a family relationship that has a superficial appearance of mutual openness and understanding, although in fact the relationship is rigid and depersonalized. Does that sound familiar? And what I define this as is a little more straightforward. When a couple or a family act close and happy while actually being distant and miserable. So they are putting on a unified front to the world while being vastly at odds in actuality. And the couple or family members buy into the prevailing lie of loyalty and congeniality while actually being estranged, seething, dismissed, or abused. So this happens. This happens when you are experiencing um, the love bombing stage. You won't see it. It will not show up. But then, after a while, when the veneer comes off, when the real life happens, you start seeing that that story was a story of pseudo-mutuality. No, it's not going to be equal or reciprocal or mutual. No, that was all the family story, the family lie, the family cover, if you will. And that can be devastating. It can be devastating if that happens and you find that the person that you married actually was offering pseudo-mutuality just to get you. You know, when I wrote the book, Escaping the Hijackle Trap, there's a whole chapter in there on the gotcha factor. They get you, and then they can take down their mask of mutuality, and they will replace it perhaps or and try to engage you in a new mask that you two will both wear called pseudo-mutuality will put on a good front. Nobody will ever know there's abuse going on behind these doors or dysfunctionality or dismissiveness or loneliness or any of those things. No one will ever know. We will paint that public picture of perfection and at home we will endure the private place of pain. And you know that hijackals, those people that I talk about, why I trademark that term, those people want to perpetuate this lie of loyalty, loyalty to the story, the lie that they're loyal to their partner or their family members, the lie that they're loyal to uh, certain values, certain beliefs. They just put that lie out there because the pseudo-mutuality means something to them. Put on a good front. Nobody will know that underneath it, things are not good. So this surface show of harmony, pretending to have a high level of agreement, um, but really what's going on is a deep and destructive interpersonal conflict. Awful just awful. And these things happen all too frequently. Sure, you know, I talk about it all the time, how it happens when you get into a relationship with a person who love bombed you, seem to be the best thing that ever happened to you. You can't believe how wonderful it is. And then as the shine wears off, you start seeing more and more red flags that were actually red before, but you were wearing your rose-colored glasses. And you took off the rose-colored glasses now because they were whipped off of you. And now you are looking at what's real. You don't want to believe it. 
Most people don't want to believe it. They think, oh, if I just am better, if I am more patient, if I'm more understanding, if I'm more compassionate, if I am all these things, then it'll get better. Then that person who love-bombed me will come back because that person who love-bombed me is the real person. No, they're not. That was the love-bomber. The real person is the person who is being relentlessly difficult, toxic, manipulative, discounting, dismissive, demanding, controlling, all of those things. So that's why I talk about the scam, the sham, and the spam. So let's talk about that a little more. So what is the scam? Well, obviously the scam is that the whole thing is a cover and a lie. That what's going on in that family, say that you married into a family and the family was so happy to have you. They could hardly wait. It was going to be perfect. They were just delighted. They did everything. They gave you everything. They put on a whole show. Soon as you got into the family and became an integral member and were there all the time, the show went away and you start seeing the interfering, the controlling, the manipulating, the dismissive nature, the wanting to control you by not speaking to you if you don't do what they want, by suggesting that things were better than they are. All of that is a sham. It's a lie. It's a narrative that they made up in order to cover up the dysfunction and the pain and the difficulties so awful, so ugly, and it's really a forced narrative. It's a narrative that people buy into in order not to look dysfunctional. And then they share that story, and people are afraid not to go along with the story. So we put on that front as a family, perhaps. Now, of course, hijackals do that within themselves, but there are whole families who do this too. And so if you happen to marry into one that seemed like it was going to be welcoming and and wonderful, and then once you were in it, you found out how dysfunctional it was. And when you said, no, I didn't think you behaved this way, people would tell you how mistaken you are and probably not say it that nicely. So there's this whole scam. We want you, so we're going to paint ourselves in beautiful colors and be welcoming. And then as soon as you are gotten, (laughs) you then are privy to the dysfunction and perhaps the object of the dysfunction for a while, where you start to be controlled. You start to be torn down, worn down, manipulated, and that happens. So that's the scam of it all, that it's not real. It's just a cover story and people are buying into it. So we need to understand the scam. And then the sham is that that whole story doesn't exist. It's delusional. It's an illusion. It's a construct. But that family that was described or appeared to be doesn't exist and doesn't know how to exist like that because it's not real to them. So they're engaging in this pseudo-mutuality, meaning 
Oh, yes, we have each other's back. Yes, we care greatly. Yes, you're always safe in this family. Yes, it's wonderful. We stand together, always unified, never divided. We have each other's backs. We walk beside each other. We pick each other up when they're down. Great story, but it's a sham. It doesn't exist. And that's very hard to get your head around because it looked so glossy and wonderful. And you were sure, sure that that's the real way that it was. And then we have the spam of it. Now that's kind of something we know about now since we've had so many emails. Um, but you know, what, what is spam about? Well, when I when we all know what it is, it's unlis- unsolicited emails that may have nothing to do with us. But when I'm thinking in this context, I actually wrote a little bit of a different definition for the spam aspect of this pseudo mutuality because it's unsolicited and often irrelevant, inappropriate, or inaccurate messages sent out to other people in order to get them to do or believe something. Now, that's pretty much what spam messages are, too, in your inbox, aren't they? Like, if you only do this, you'll make a million dollars, you'll feel wonderful, and and you will always be happy. Well, we know that's not going to happen, but we didn't ask for that message. It came to us, and it wasn't one that was honest. Or it may be honest for some people, but they don't even know you, so they're just broadcasting it. And when you're targeted by a family to hide behind this pseudo-mutuality, they are actually sending you an intentional message that is inaccurate in order to get you to come in and they will be able to damage you. And that's really, really sad. So I don't want a carefully crafted message to get me to believe what you want me to believe? No, because that's gaslighting, right? I want you to believe what I say is true, and I'm going to tell you that you really need this, and you need to believe this if you want to be a good person, or you want to be a successful person, or in the case of pseudo-mutuality in families, if you want to be part of this family system. And so we get the spam. And what do we do with it? Well, we unsubscribe or we put it in the trash. Or if we don't want to do either of those things, it sits in our inbox for forever. And every time we look at it, we go, uh, not so great. But you're going to have trouble if you start reading the spam and believing it and believing the promises and then giving the money because you think if you give the money or time or energy or whatever in a family, that then it'll get better. Then you'll be playing the game. You'll be part of it and that will be good for you. And that's what we tend to do as relatively normal, healthy people. Like, oh, oh, I'll just change my behavior a little and they'll like me better or I'll fit better or I can make accommodations or I can compensate. But the tendency is to overcompensate and overaccommodate. And so they keep asking for more. And that's not good. So, of course, in the beginning, we don't know they're lying. So we believe they're lies. And then there we are in the grip of pseudo-mutuality. I know it's a big word, but it's, it's, it's that pretend 
cohesion of a happy, healthy family unit that we're talking about. Maybe you were, like I was, born into a family where pseudo-mutuality was the narrative. You know, I remember when I was young and I would go and say to somebody, you know, my parents don't treat me very well. And they would say, oh, how can you say that? They're the pillars of the community. Your mother is a fundraiser for hospice. Your father is lovely. How can you say that, you horrible child? Because the pseudo-mutuality story that had gone out there, the shiny family story, had nothing to do with the dark and dismal story that was being lived behind closed doors. Absolutely not. So it looked perfect from the outside, but it was anything but perfect on the inside. So you may have been born into a family like that, and it you didn't have any experience. You were just born. The only thing you know about family are the ones you received. And you don't have any way to calibrate if it's good, bad, or right or wrong. You don't know, but they're defining your reality for you. They're telling you whether you're worthwhile. They're telling you whether you're welcome. They're telling whether you can take up space if they're interested in you, if they want to hear anything from you, if they take care of you. And there you are. You're born into this family. It's your only experience of family. They're telling you who you are. So it's your first experience of yourself. And it's all a sham. That's very, very difficult. And then the other example that I used earlier, what if you marry into a family that was all butterflies, unicorns, and roses before you got married. And then slowly it turned into really unpleasant cactuses and cockroaches, you know, and you are just head spinning. What happened? Did I do something? You know, is it my fault? That's a natural thing to look for at first because that's what healthier people do. Well, what's my part in this? Did I do something? And yet you don't know that you've been fed the lie. You don't know that it's been set out there for you to buy into and to hook you into. So it's really important when you understand that if you marry into a family and all of a sudden you find that it's not what it looked like at all, you know, the big surprise, how do you like us so far? That's the time to start saying to your partner, we need to have some boundaries. So many times people come to see me and they say, you know, my in-laws are hijackals. I had no idea they were. Now what do we do? And I help them to realize what's really going on and then to set some non-negotiable, healthy boundaries that allow the new couple to become a family themselves living from their values and then to get them to be a force against the other larger family. Because no, you cannot do this in our home. In our home, we do this. And then you have children in that situation. And then the parents want to try, the hijackal parents want to triangulate through the children, perhaps, and say, oh, your mommy doesn't like me very much, or things like that. You have to put a big stop to that right away. 
Because this whole thing of pseudo-mutuality, it looks great on the outside and the stories they tell on the outside, you know, oh, you know, they won't let me see the grandchildren. No, there's a really good reason why you can't see the grandchildren, because you will not respect our boundaries. But that's a big deal. It's a really big deal. And I've helped so many people with that. You know, if that sounds like something that you need help with, or you want to talk about these things in your life, I do offer a new client one-hour full session for only $97 one time. And you can find that at beaclient.com, B-E-A client.com and we could talk about that because if you find yourself in one of these situations you want to know what to do first of all you need to see it clearly then you need to know what you can do and you need to start small and start establishing some boundaries so that you two as a couple demonstrate a unified front against the larger family unit that is the source of the difficulties. So very, very important. And you might find yourself with a hijackal and you may become part of the pseudo-mutuality conspiracy. People say, how are you doing? How's married life? And you say, oh, great. It's absolutely great. Now you've become part of the story, the narrative that everything is good. And I know it's difficult if you don't do it. The hijackal says, how dare you? You make me look bad. But you see how that you can be brought in to this pseudo-mutuality conspiracy. So what do you do? Do you tell? Do you second-guess what they're doing? Do you question your sanity? Do you correct the narrative and take the wrath that's going to come? Do you keep your kids in it? I mean, that's a big thing that is asked of me all the time. What do I do? My children are seeing this. It's a very important thing. Every situation is different. So important to understand that. Do you leave? Do you just say, I can't do this anymore? You know, I, I remember just... Oh, as a child, I was an only child with two hijackal parents. And all I could do was kind of count the moments until I could leave and go to university when I was 17. How can I get away from this? How can I get away from this dysfunction? Well, yes, certainly I moved away physically from the dysfunction. But so much had happened to me and all it took years, years which is why I do the work that I do, because I know what I had to go through. There wasn't any help. And I had to just find little pockets of help and put it all together. And I've experienced it totally myself. And that's why I'm effective in helping other people. But big questions. And then you get into the double bind, right? That you're going to blow the narrative and live with the rage? Or are you going to join the narrative and live in that crazy-making horrible situation. Um, so you're really caught in the double bind, which is two undesirable courses of action. you got to choose between two awful options. And it, it takes a lot to do that. And again, you know, let's talk. Go to beaclient.com. And then we have the setups in the family, you know, the scapegoating setup, where in a hijackal family with hijackal parent or parents, one child will become the scapegoat. The one who can never do anything right is always wrong, is always picked on, is always diminished. And 
that child in the pseudo-mutuality family story is hidden. They're afraid to speak up because there will be more wrath coming their way. And so the scapegoat doesn't blow the cover of the family story. They put on that shiny face. Yes, we're all fine. You know, you've seen stories on YouTube or on the television where a child is being abused and people ask, are you okay? And they're, yes, yes, I'm fine. Because to actually speak up about it, they would be in terrible trouble if they did. So a scapegoated child knows that intrinsically and they feel too broken to speak up. They feel too afraid because they've come to believe that because they've been the scapegoat since they were very young, that they somehow deserve it. And then we have the golden child who shows up in families. That's the one who can do no wrong. That's the one who's being groomed to be like the hijackal parent. So that will happen. And there'll be, when you get in here, when you marry into one of these families, or you start looking at your family and realizing what's happening, you realize there was perhaps a scapegoat child, and there was a golden child who could do no wrong, who was always in the good graces of the hijackal parent. And then that person is being groomed to become the hijackal. And they join in the scapegoating, and they perpetuate the the narrative, and they bind with the hijackal parents. They're bonded to them. And then sometimes we have the lost child, the child that nobody notices, often the middle child. Um, they eventually become an outlier to the family, and they're more likely to blow the cover of the story um, because they don't care if they get ostracized. They already are. So <clears throat> the appearance of this close bonding in a pseudo-mutuality kind of narrative um, is really troubling because there are big gaps between people in reality and the struggle to connect is not there. The person who is endeavoring may be married into this or recognizing what's going may want to connect, may be desperate to connect, but the willingness to connect is not there in the family. So it's very devastating for some people to marry into a family like that. And then you get shamed when you endeavor to help or straighten things out or talk things through or resolve anything. So that's very difficult. And and in a, a, a family where this is prevalent, there is going to be a, a a look like everybody's on the same page on the surface, but actually every person has their own book and they're not interested in each other's books. That's what's going on underneath and what's important to know is this doesn't change. There's no magic. This is entrenched. These are patterns, behaviors, cycles, traits, at work, in the dynamics of the family. And that can really catch you off guard, particularly if you happen to marry into it. So in this episode, I wanted to introduce you to that concept of pseudo-mutuality so that you could sense whether or not that was something that you were raised with or you married into or you have a friend who's experiencing it and they're trying to tell you that everything was great and now everything is awful and you're having difficulty believing that or seeing how that could be so. It might help with that. So think about it. See it for what it is. 
watch it for a while, observe it, get the dynamics, understand what's going on, and then if you're going to play, you're going to be in poisonous waters with sharks. Um, you need to understand that you're either going to play, you're going to pay, or you probably need to go away. Very big things. I know that this is not a conversation that is going to be generalized for everyone, but it was an important conversation for us to have, in my opinion, so that you understand the difference between real mutuality and pseudo-mutuality. Big words, but a big concept, too that we need to be there for each other. We need to be each other's person when we enter into a marriage or a partnership. We need to step up. We need to walk beside. We need to have each other's back. But where there's pseudo-mutuality, it looks like that. Maybe it sounds like that, but it isn't like that. And it won't ever be like that. There's no way back. So I hope that's helpful to you. Because if this is a pain you haven't been able to name, maybe now you can. And that's so important. And, you know, go to Kaizen for Couples if you want to learn more about mutuality um, and find that. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. I'd love to talk with you. I'm so glad that you're here. I hope that you will take all of the time that you need to look through all of the episodes. Know that when you go to SaveYourSanityPodcast.com, you can easily um, do a search and you can put in a keyword at the top of the list and find what you're looking for. There are over 200 episodes there for you. And if you're on YouTube, you can go to youtube.com slash for, F-O-R, Relationship Help, just like my website, forrelationshiphelp.com. So youtube.com slash forrelationshiphelp. There's over 550 videos, and you can search them too. So if you want more information about what's going on when you're having difficulty in a relationship and you've had a look and you don't think it's you, you may want to learn these things because if you're with a toxic person, a damaged person, somebody who is just ruthless and relentless, you need to know. So until we speak again, take very good care of yourself because you are precious you matter. You deserve to take up space and draw breath on this earth, and therefore you deserve to be able to say what you think, feel, need, want, prefer, and remember as long as you do not speak of another human by name or pronoun. Until we speak again, take very good care. Talk soon. Thank you for joining me on the Save Your Sanity podcast today. I hope you've had some new insights some ideas and strategies to help you gain clarity and confidence for moving forward toward greater emotional health and safety. You deserve that, and so do your children. If you found value here and would like to support this podcast with a dollar or five each month, please do so at patreon.com slash saveyoursanity. Learn more about how to work with me by a video conference, join my optimized circles, or subscribe to this podcast on my YouTube channel at my website, transformingrelationship.com. Talk soon.